0: Yes, sir. Okay. We are rolling. Hello, friends. Hello, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in. Really glad you could join us. Whatever platform you are on, whether it's SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And uh, today I have a very special guest with me. This gentleman is somebody whose work and writings I've been following for many years now, and he's had a profound influence on my knowledge of let's say the brain and benefits of exercise to the brain and the neuroplasticity of the brain and this has all led to me changing how i train people especially uh anyone but especially in the parkinson's population that i work with um he is the author of several best-selling books one of them i do not have with me because i gave to a friend but i have the audio of all and hard copy of three of them but User's Guide to the Brain is one of them. It's an amazing book. And many people who I talk with have heard of Spark, another groundbreaking book in my opinion. And of course we have Go Wild. We'll touch on some information from here today, as well as Spark. And then i got this one a long time ago, co-author of Durban to Distraction, which describes me perfectly. He is also a, uh, an Associate Clinical Professor of Psychiatry of the Harvard Medical School. My pleasure, it is my great pleasure to introduce my guest, Dr. John Reedy. Thank you, sir, for joining me again. How are you today?
1: <laughs> I'm fine, but thanks for having me again. Uh, <laughs> delighted to, to talk. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to put it out
0: there because it was my fault I found out. The last one we did, the file got corrupted. That won't happen this time. So you're a very generous man to join me again. And, you you know, thank you. Thank you. I wanted to uh, start off with a subject that, you know, really turned my head years ago, a few years after I got into the personal training and the fitness business. The benefits of exercise for the brain are monumental or even just walking, which we talked about last time, um, how the brain lights up. and all kinds of things are happening. This has really changed how I look at things and how I work with people. Let's start with optima- what, what's happening with the brain? Uh, when we're, How are we optimizing the brain via exercise?
1: OK, well, I think people have to <clears throat> think of the brain like a muscle. The more you use it, the better it gets. The stronger it gets, the more developed it gets the more resilient it gets. Just like exercising your quads or your uh, biceps, triceps, whatever, you know, it's the same principle. And uh, so when you're using your brain, your brain likes it. And it has a lot of good science behind that. Uh, we, We say use it or lose it when we're thinking of the nerves. And the nerve cells and the brain cells and all that go into uh, our understanding of the brain. And so when we're exercising and we are using more brain cells than in any other human activity, more brain cells are being used when we move, when we, and exercise is a lot of movement, right? Different kinds of movement. Different parts of the brain are activated, but nevertheless, most of the time when we're moving, yoga, walking, running, lifting, uh, swimming, biking, all those demand a lot of our brain to do it and to do it correctly or incorrectly. Uh, And because there's so much of our brain evolved to help us be the best movers and what we know evolutionarily speaking when we were hunter-gatherers we were we were moving about anywhere from 10 to 14 miles a day on average Mm -hmm. foraging climbing lifting running sprinting sometimes uh, for for food or to avoid being killed by tigers and bears and other people Sure. Uh, so we were movers, and our brain evolved during this six to eight million years to help us be the best movers possible.
0: We were we designed more to brain. move.
1: Yeah, we're designed to move, and we're designed to move well. And, and with that, we developed plans, prediction, uh, sequencing, memory, short-term memory, long-term memory of what play and work the best, how to do it, uh, how to do things automatically, all those things developed during this time to be the best movers. And then when we increased our group that we had and increased our language, uh, the, that part of the brain that we use to help guide our movements and plan for them uh, we use to think with so that really a great phrase is that our thinking brain is the evolutionary internalization of our moving brain so when we move we activate our thinking brain and we do all this stuff and it makes Now, we've unpacked it pretty, uh, every day we're unpacking it more and more, but about how the brain works. But what we're learning is that when we move, we have a tremendous effect on all kinds of things. And the latest, by the way, relevant to COVID, is that uh, there's another uh, antioxidant, that we make when we move our muscles, it's called E-C-O-S, Mm, extracellular, whatever. Anyway, it's in this cellular space. We make it with when we move our muscles and this works preferentially in our lungs to prevent lung problems. And now we don't know about COVID specifically, but It stands to reason if it's helping prevent other lung problems, it might have an effect on uh, interrupting the binding of COVID in in our pulmonary uh, tree. So that uh, study out of the University of Virginia just two weeks ago, by the way, two weeks ago, uh, showed this, uh, that that exercise really increases our uh, the, this particular antioxidant. And uh, it's really quite uh, stunning. So it does a lot of those kinds of things. It increases all these growth factors in the brain to help our brains grow. Uh, this is the one that is the mother of all growth factors. It's called BDNF, or brain-derived neurotropic factors, which is the growth promoter. It's been called the brain fertilizer. I called it miracle grow for the brain when yeah. I learned about it. Uh, and it gives people the idea that if, if you have more of this stuff uh, around, your brain's going to be healthy and grow.
0: It's amazing. You talk a lot about that, well, in all of your books, but especially um, Spark is where I first learned about it. Um, the whole thing with the Naperville coach Lawler Naperville school district and the benefits of, uh, retention and uh, attention and reach, you know, grade, grade GPAs were higher. Obesity was uh, very low. Um, so that was my first introduction. It's amazing what that can help us with, you know, exercise, but also BDNF.
1: Yeah, no, it's, uh. We discovered it really in the 80s. BDNF. The, the fact was it was looked at as something that helped guide our brains' evolution in within ourselves, uh, as a you know an infant to an adult. BDNF guided our, our brain cell development. Well, also we we learned a lot about how it prevented aging, the aging brain. The, the, the prevented, uh, you know, the, the ravages of time and stress over time uh, to uh, help prevent uh, uh, the erosion and the, the lack of, uh, uh, of, it, of our brains doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, your area of interest with Parkinson's, huge issue in BDNF is a, a good way to prevent it and to treat it, if you will. More BDNF in, in the dopamine area of the, uh, uh, that you're focused on will help sure. grow, regrow those uh, brain cells and, and uh, their receptors. Uh, so that you have a better, uh, a better uh, communication within that area of the brain. Uh, and uh, and, and it, it is called the mother of all uh, growth factors, but there are many, many others that come from the brain itself, but also come up from the body. Uh, and it comes up from our muscles and our heart. That come up to our brain to help guide uh, guide the brain to work optimally.
0: What is the difference between BDNF and GDNF?
1: GDNF is is more of a general uh, glial uh, it's a glial growth factor. There's twice as many glial cells in our brain than there are nerve cells but BDNF is much more about the brain cells per se but both of them are important and and both of them uh, are involved in general brain health and the more we exercise the more we activate our brain cells which we now know is the way we make BDNF and for instance uh, a way to think about it conceptually. Is when you fire a brain cell, you release this BDNF. It sort of helps the brain cell grow, which is its job. But then we have a feedback loop. Once that's leased, once you release it, that sends back information to the brain cell that released the BDNF to turn the genes on to make more BDNF. Oh. <laughs> so it's what I call evolution's gift to us saying, if you need it, it will come, you know, it, mm-hmm. if you build it, it will come from that movie. Uh, uh, oh, you know.
0: With uh, Field, uh, Kevin Costner, Field, Master, uh, Field, yeah, of, Field dreams. of Dreams.
1: Yeah, yeah. and it, it's like, okay, if you're using it, we're gonna help you and support you. And what's important for people to remember or to know Is that the way we learn anything? Is for our brain cells to grow, and that's important. So that the way we learn any fact, figures, as well as movements, as well as yoga poses or uh, kickboxing, uh, those are we 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 learn that by growing the nerve cells to make better connections.
0: Sure. So does this, let's say, here's an example. (coughs) Oftentimes in my workouts with clients, we'll call it either layering or stacking. Lately, I seem to use the word stacking. So let's just say we're doing a focused movement. For example, uh, I have a few clients who can jump on one leg, sideways through one of those agility ladders, right? and so what we do is during this first of all they have balance center of gravity they're dealing with we'll throw in a cognitive exercise if you will something like well it's election year so we usually have fun with presidents on election year like name every president starting now and going backwards okay start with the current spell his last name spell it backwards Um, or you know maybe it's name the capital of texas austin Spell it forwards, great, spell it backwards. This is while they're moving. And then throw in a hand-eye coordination just for fun. Maybe I move around too to get the head turning, eyes tracking, a little vestibular activation. So uh, does, does this type of thing help the brain, considering we have a focused movement, a hand-eye, and we're thinking about something? Does that help to create, let's say, uh, I, my goal, I have to back up, my goal is to take this and other things we do like this, where there's there are countless things we come up with, improve multitasking abilities so that when they get outside of the facility, they function better and uh, we reduce fall risk. Um, and what I, what I hope is happening is that developing and, and doing this over and over again with different types of activities, might cause new neural firing pathways
1: that's exactly what happens. that's exactly what happens by the way you're you're I usually start off my lecture when I'm talking about the aging brain uh, uh, the antidote to aging is the continual challenge of the brain
0: mm-hmm. you're
1: challenging the brain in every which way with with what you presented you know the, okay we, jump on one foot, so there's balance and coordination to the left, to the right spell. Then you have to think while they're moving uh, maybe, and then you moving around to make a moving target. So all that requires much more brain involvement than even just, certainly than just walking on a treadmill or running on a treadmill. But, uh, which is great, you know, by the way, you know, it's, it's fantastic, but uh, it's, it's one kind of movement. And so what you get with what you're doing is all kinds of stress on our nerve cells, mm-hmm. which, you know, people have such a bad view of stress. And in the second chapter of Spark, I fell in love with stress again. You know, I wrote in a user's guide I wrote 10 years earlier. But the, the uh, spark, you know, the second chapter is all about stress. And uh, it's a reconfiguration of stress in my own mind. Couldn't believe it in 10 years. It, it, oh, yes. Okay, there we go. Three. There we go. Just the three. greatest
0: challenge. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, there is good stress and bad stress. So no, I would assume this absolutely. is good stress. Yeah.
1: Most people, when they think of stress, it's toxic stress. It's stress oh, that doesn't so. go away this the kind of stress that's important for learning for moving for exercising it it causes stress on the muscles on the blood blood flow on your brain and you get what's called recovery and repair set up to deal with the stresses well this happens locally in your muscles when we're moving but also throughout the body and then throughout the brain. And then when we have periods of rest or recovery, then we have growth. And if you don't stress, you don't grow. And that's the danger, by the way, of us in COVID, not stressing ourselves. Right. It's easy to sit and watch Netflix and, and uh, other uh, kinds of things or stay up with the latest numbers on on uh, covid uh the latest political problem uh whatever but yeah the more we stress ourselves that is uh push ourselves to be involved in other things to exercise to jump around to move while you're zooming you know that's a that's yeah. gonna uh, i'm certainly sure. may have a Op ed coming out on that using doing Zoom while you're moving uh, because it's uh, uh, you know where it's possible if you're in a Zoom meeting and there are 12 of you, that's that may be easier to do than it is something like this. So, sure.
0: Well, it's interesting. Um, so, the feedback I get from people you know, I've traveled a lot too and taught in various, all over the world, but we teach concepts, which, you know, I have to thank you is one of my very, very, very primary uh, influences as far as conceptually what's going on and taking that and being creative with it. You know, safety first, people can do what they can do and we wanna push them and challenge them. We don't wanna hurt them, but we don't wanna be If they can move around single leg on a ladder, we don't want to have them sitting in a chair exercising all the time. So let's get the body moving, do what we can, push a little bit. Um, You know, it might be just they're walking. Maybe it's slowly, but they're thinking and walking and out loud spelling things, math equations, whatever. Playing catch. So we do what we can, not what we can't. However, reports and feedback I like because we're finding that people are uh, finding that for example if they almost fall 20 times in a workout or in a workshop and they do this on a regular basis then when they get into real life and they almost fall they don't fall they're able to recover the fall recovery things kick in faster people call it muscle memory i think it might be more like brain firing patterns that are firing faster cause your muscles to through your nervous systems to activate and save you and i love it i'm actually doing it myself because (laughs) you know i'm 59 i don't really want to be uh, falling down in 10 years 20 years and plus my balance isn't as good as it was three years ago because i was on airplanes all the time so I, I'm really liking the effects that I'm seeing overall, and I have to thank you for much of what I've learned. Well, uh, yeah, no, no the uh, the
1: the whole business of of uh, preparing for the future is is really what exercise is about. I mean, it's 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 fascinating. One of our major chapters in this new book on our fourth book on. ADHD that is coming out next year, maybe. I mean, it will be done, but whether they release it
0: in, okay. the, midst of,
1: in the midst of COVID, who knows? Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's like, who cares about anything except COVID? You know, survival. Yeah, know. Yeah. You know. Uh, but anyway, but one of the big chapters is on the cerebellum. You know, um, the little the little brain in the, in the back of our head. Where we have, uh, you know, it's a third is the size of our brain, but it packs sixty percent of all of our nerve cells, and it's constantly clicking away, constantly evaluating and and, and stabilizing us. It it makes our motor system really more fluid, more uh, less choppy more continuous. Well, it does the same thing to our brain, to our, our higher brain functions, not just, not just movement, not just our body, but to our attention, to our thinking, to our emotions even, so that we know that by training this, this cerebellum vestibular, all that goes into balance and coordination, what you're talking about falling it's all about training the cerebellum. And the good news is that the cerebellum is very trainable because there's so much activity. It's what we call higher in the percentage of neuroplasticity. Okay. It is easier for it to grow and change. And so we, we, just by practicing, you really develop things fairly quickly. I never so, forget. When I was writing Spark, I had a personal trainer. I called my he was Russian trainer for the uh Russian Olympic uh jujitsu team. Okay. And so and he was over here, obviously, and a trainer and I had him three to five five four days a week. Uh I had him for about six months and he uh yeah, I was really into it and uh, Uh, really in great, great shape. And and he said, okay, one day, he said, stand on the BOSU. We hadn't used it, done any balance. Mm -hmm. And so I got up on there and, uh, you know, it wasn't great, but I could do it for 20 count. And then he said, okay, close your eyes, fell off. (laughs) Couldn't do it, couldn't do it. And I couldn't believe it. You know, I thought I was a tennis player and I, you know, I had balance, blah, blah, so forth. So we worked on balance. So in six months' time, along with everything else, I was able to be on the bosu, do a squat, eyes closed, jump 90 degrees, do it, and with another squat, eyes closed the whole time, all the way around. Oh wow! Six months, and I, you know, and so my balance and coordination skyrocketed. Uh, obviously, just by that. Then I cut to I went away for a year and a half, more or less. Didn't didn't work on the balance at all, really. uh, Traveling about and uh, came back and you know I I still was still had much better balance, but not nearly what I had before. Mm -hmm. But just a a few weeks of retraining got it back. And uh, so you know you lay down the. The scaffolding, like you're talking about, stacking. You like the, lay down the the basic stuff, and uh, and then work on the fine stuff afterwards. So,
0: well, that reminds me of an analogy that I use a lot in workshops, and that's you know, when we talk about um, uh, neuroplasticity, new neural firing patterns, uh, riding a bicycle. And I, I think we talked about this last time. So, right in my front yard here, back in the '90s, both both of my children. Within about 90 minutes, maybe two hours max, they went from never riding to riding by themselves. No training wheels, no, no nothing. And I'm thinking, now I'm thinking, then I had no clue. Now I'm thinking, so that's how fast the brain actually developed these connections. Because, And so then you do it and do it and do it more and more and more and more and more for months, years, whatever. And you're solidifying the connections, I imagine then you take a break but the will phrase is, just like riding a bicycle so am i right in saying that uh, when you get back on after some time off you might be rusty but you don't need to relearn you just need to fire them up again is that's what is that what happens that's what happens
1: you have that stored and that's where muscle memory is a mistake it it partly is your muscles do remember but it really comes from the cerebellum automatic behaviors are all about cerebellum you know and that's what happens when you uh and i like to think of michael jordan you know when he was playing basketball he wasn't thinking about it you know he he was just moving yeah it was all automatic it was all lower than than the frontal cortex although People that are in that kind of zone all the time really sort of use the, they observe themselves. <laughs> and that, that's the most pleasant experience of when we're in the zone, of knowing that you're in the zone and seeing how you're doing. Also, you're you're ready with all those usually involved neuroprocessors to help correct. So something novel that comes in uh, to your field, you'll be able to deal with
0: Mm. because you're already on
1: automatic pilot, but you also are ready for something novel. So you switch.
0: So interesting. Uh, Since we spoke last time, when I ride my bicycle, which is most days, I like to go through the woods, the trails, and I'm, Looking at it differently, because I'm thinking of, you know how many trees I have to avoid? (laughs) So there's an interaction going on, and it is constant. And I can't even imagine if we're able to monitor the activity. There must be a lot, especially when we're avoiding crashing, you know, 500 times over a few miles in the woods. (laughs) Yeah. So that has to be good. That has to be good for us yeah
1: no it's 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 all that automatic calculation that you have no idea you're doing yeah. it's not like oh i'm gonna gotta think about it. unless you're just starting again or whatever you know then you have to retrain you you just have to be much more alert, but then after a while it becomes you get back into the flow again you know
0: I did have an encounter with one tree, but I'm still here. <laughs> the tree won so um so it sounds, if we go dial it way back, right to the beginning, here I am, I'm sitting, right? But I can decide to turn turn on the switch. All I have to do is get up and move, right? So that's where, you know, as a trainer who uh, here, you know, well, with my clientele, they're pretty dedicated, but before I worked with people with Parkinson's and movement disorders, I was doing more, uh, they weren't, Weight loss, there's nothing wrong with it. It's fantastic. If, if people need to redistribute the weight in their body and lose some weight, that's fine. But the level of commitment was different. It wasn't like they couldn't walk or they, had, they were falling a lot. <laughs> I found that the compliancy was less and I heard a lot of excuses. But we can decide to move and turn on the on switch of the brain and do our bodies some good.
1: Yeah. What, and, and that's a big thing, uh, the university of Michigan has spent 20 years looking at motivation in exercise, how to, how to maintain that motivation. <clears throat> and the, the, the easy answer to that is for people to recognize how they feel after they've exercised. In other words, don't look at it as a weight loss thing, or as developing skills, uh, necessarily. But look at it: how you feel today after you've had your walk, or your run, or your swim, or your bike. Uh, you know, or you know your push-ups and whatnot. How you feel? What's different? Because you will have activated your brain in a very massive way if you exercise a lot. Because you change your brain chemistry, not just with BDNF, but you change norepinephrine, dopamine, serotonin, GABA, oxytocin—all the good, good chemicals that we have circulating in our brain that are growth-promoting. Uh, and the more we do it, the more stuff we liberate. We change our uh, concentration of these neurotransmitters and i say uh, taking a, a bout of exercise is like taking a bit of prozac and a little bit of bridlin uh because it we do the same thing when we exercise when we move when we walk you don't have to be even running when you right. walk you're, you're doing this now the more you exercise obviously the b- bigger the concentration you're gonna you're gonna activate more and more brain cells for a longer period of time you're going to uh, just as you find with your parkinson's patients especially there it's a, a lot of it is about dopamine right and you want to increase the dopamine that's there being released because they're deficient in that it's, it's sort of the definition of parkinson's so the more you challenge those brain cells to act the more you're going to set up a feedback loop to make more dopamine presynaptically as well as making more dopamine receptors postsynaptically which is really the way you knit together uh, the uh, success of uh, of the of the nervous we we call a cellular assembly Mm -hmm. and that then leads to smoother movement you know uh, initiating when you want to
0: Right.
1: stopping at the right time all that that uh, people with parkinson's have a hard time with
0: now uh, dopamine uh, dopamine is uh, a a reward type of thing too i know uh actually i'm discovering some things about myself the past couple of years that i think i might be a dopamine addict because you know, typically it's, it's not, and I, not to talk about me, but it is an example. It's a real life experience. I, It's not uncommon for decades now for me to wake up feeling kind of sad. Uh, it used to shut me down. I would go into days of not really doing anything and being very unproductive. However, I know now, and what you said is so important about how you feel after you exercise or maybe even during it. There are a bunch of things I figured out, first of all, If I just get started, my three words I use with everybody, I get the energy to keep going. And within two, three, four, five minutes, 10 minutes on a bad day, I'm already feeling better. And when I'm done, I forgot I even felt sad in the beginning when I first got out of bed. So it's like nature's natural antidepressant. And I get energy from it and I sleep better and all the other good stuff. And And I'm writing a book, I'm almost done for real. But uh, I was almost done two weeks ago too, but I'll exercise before writing because I write better after I exercise.
1: Right, and that, that's, that's over, the, it's over the course of anything you're doing, uh, especially cognitively and, and emotionally. Uh, a bout of exercise is not only wakes you up, there you get more aroused when you're getting out of your bed, but you turn on, uh, again, you've taken a little bit of Prozac or Zoloft or whatever the current uh, favorite is. Yeah. The, you've taken an SSRI, you've taken a hit of a stimulant, uh, just with your exercise. So you're more focused, you're more motivated. And by the way, a big thing that is really important, especially in our situation here with COVID, you are more loving. And more lovable after you've exercised because you've changed the chemistry. But one of the big things you've also done is elevated the concentration of oxytocin in your brain. And oxytocin oh. is the bonding hormone and the love hormone. Oh. And in our COVID life from here on, that is so important and it's going to become more important for us is yeah. to be more loving and to actually be more lovable so you
0: get more connections and yeah. And, yeah. So interesting, um, so you have been so generous with your time, I do have a couple more things real quick, we won't, we won't have to go much longer but there is uh first of all that's fascinating and I would, I'd like to be more lovable so I'm going to exercise more. <laughs> No, it, so my, my latest
1: when I, work. When I, when, I go, when I lecture at a boys' school, you know, at a, a pr- primary school or secondary school, and the boys are there, they're hearing this, and I talk <laughs> about raising uh, the levels of the endorphins and the endocannabinoids. So it's like taking your own, making your own marijuana and making your own morphine. And then, but when I talk about making your own oxytocin, and it makes you more lovable. The boys go, Oh my God, you know, that
0: they could get- <laughs> Yeah, sure. <laughs> I I was I probably would have been like that back then, yeah.
1: No, but I mean you just said that yeah. the, the, the the response is,
0: is very funny. predictable, but they really love it,
1: you know. That's they, great,
0: man. That's yeah. so that's so funny. That's great. That's interesting. So going back, there's a couple more things. Um you mentioned last time, and you mentioned it a lot, and we really go into detail in this about the benefits of, we just talk about benefits of exercise, okay, and moving, but outdoors, barefoot, and with another person. Yeah. It's like the trifecta plus exercise. Um, Could you just elaborate on that just a little bit?
1: Well, I think the more natural we get, uh, you know, there's, first of all, outside outside is so important just as you're avoiding trees okay you know when you're riding or not not so much but uh when you do avoid the trees so you're you're it's not the same as the protected environment of the gym plus you're outside which has its own benefits you know not only vitamin d which is so important especially COVID. i mean there are papers almost weekly papers talking about the benefits of vitamin d vis-a-vis covid okay in terms of the uh you know the how morbid how how disastrous it can be and the more you pump yourself full of vitamin d and the uh, the better you're going to be to avoid getting it in the first place and also the ravages of it but and one of the great ways of getting vitamin D is being outside. Sure. And as we're coming into spring and summer, where being outside is going to be easier. And you get the sunlight, and that makes for vitamin D naturally. But also, that's just one small part of the benefit you get from being outside. Because we, we are drawn to being outside. We are drawn to nature. There's something called biophilia that was uh, one of my colleagues at Harvard many years ago talked about this. Uh, as as we're drawn to nature, we love it. Biophilia, we love nature. We do. Mm-hmm. We we feel better. All these studies have come out, uh, and now we have uh, people that are experts in what the Japanese call forest bathing, getting people out into the into nature because it does so many good things in terms of lowering stress lowering blood pressure lowering uh, you know insulin needs all that from just being outside just living and being around trees and plants and animals and just as you're doing in your forest there it it, uh, it it's a big element then you add another person, oh my God. Think about how important that is, not only for enjoyment and for uh, accountability, which is a big thing when you're exercising together. Sure. But also, the, it's, much, it's a huge complication. It, it is an, a lot more stress in a way to be with another person because you're, it, especially if you're doing something in tandem or interactively. Sure. Uh, you know, it it you know you want to make sure you want to blah blah you know and paying attention to body and movement and uh, what they're doing and uh, especially if you think of dance. Wow, huge, huge. Right. Uh, Yep. Huge taxing the brain. I mean, if you get your guys or, or gals, the Parkinson's group, to dance, mm-hmm. holy mackerel. That's, uh, you know, movement, balance, coordination, and the other person, and getting that right, and listening to the music, and moving their body in relation to that, doing the salsa. Oh, huge. I mean, one of the things that we do, my wife and I do is, is, since we've been here, is zumba we have a yeah yeah, we've we've been doing a zumba class three three days a week uh you know with the anyway a friend of ours from bali actually but it's a zumba group you know and it's fun and i'm not coordinated that way at all so it's it's (laughs) Talk about a challenge. It's great, though, because... So of, your
0: brain's firing up
1: on overtime. You oh, yeah, learn.
0: yeah. But I'm learning. I learn
1: stuff, you know. Yeah. I, I, I can, eventually, I can do a, a, a decent move without looking like a spaz, you know. But uh, it, it takes a while. It's, it, and then after you get it automatic, then it's fun, you see. Yeah. But then it's fun.
0: Exactly. You know, it's funny because uh, in our workshops, um, well, I started off alone doing them. I created this program, traveled, taught, but then I uh, had more material, so it went from one days to two. And I, I needed help, and also figured nobody wants to listen to me talk for two days. So, I hired uh, friends of mine. Actually, Russ Parker is a gentleman who uh, lives in Huntington, Long Island. He lives with Parkinson's. He's in his early sixties. Also a trainer, a great trainer. So he's become a part of our instructor team. He and his wife have been doing ballroom dancing for years and he runs the dance, many portions of our workshops, but he does the dance. And then Ruben, uh, who lives in Costa Rica is also on our team. And Allison is another one. We have four of us. She lives in Massachusetts, but Ruben will do the salsa because he's in Costa Rica and that's what they do there. (laughs) So when we get, Russ and Ruben together, sometimes they teach without me. They'll be doing ballroom dancing, all kinds of line dancing, salsa dancing. And you know what? People love it, but they're also thinking during this too. So we have a cognitive development because they need to think about the next move until oh, they good. automatically can do it without thinking. It's very fun, very fun.
1: Yeah, and that's an element too that needs to be in, in our, in, in the prescription for exercise, you know, the, the fun aspect of it. That'll keep you coming back. Yes. Uh, that'll look, you know, like, uh, and that's what Zumba is, you know, now it's like, oh, Zumba, five o'clock. Okay, let's go. You know, yeah. and, uh, you know, we, we got to roll the carpet back and, you know,
0: get, get ready you zoom it's, in. It's good, you know, yeah. I'm glad you said that because uh, for those of who are watching and listening, one thing I find as a trainer is uh, client Compliance is much higher when people do things they like to do. Oh yeah. Now we can't just do only what they like to do. Let's experiment. And sometimes we'll find things new to them that challenge them, but they enjoy it. So we're always looking for things and they absolutely hate something. We're not going to do it, but uh, yeah, that'll keep them coming back. Like you said, and it's we that's what we need, that's what we want. Um, hey, I have one more question, just one more. although I did want to ask no I have two real quick. You kind of covered this, but it seems that the is the cerebellum does that have the ability to not only you know be highly neuroplastic, but can it grow new brain cells, like additional brain cells?
1: Yeah, no, and not the cerebellum, not that we know of, not the cerebellum per se. Okay. But certainly the the, the big area that grows new brain cells is the hippocampus. Okay. And uh, and that's, that's sort of the queen or king of neuroplasticity okay. is, you know, you make more brain cells, but it it And it often gets overemphasized when people are talking about exercise, you know, okay. that we make new brain cells, and that's where we get more neuroplastic. And in fact, what we're talking about is making more connections, connections. for okay. And then also, we make new brain cells, something called neurogenesis, that we discovered that humans do this in 1999. So it's a relatively new concept. And, and it took a long time for most people to agree to it, you know. And most neuroscientists, you know, most neuroscientists don't change their mind. They just die. You know, I mean, that's the, that's the phrase, you know. Uh, it was really scientists, you know, but it could be anybody. Um, but uh, they, you know, for so many years, they were steadfast against new nerve cells. And then boom. Or this whole and actually in parkinson's, that was a big area of uh, uh, of uh, trying to create new brain cells but um, anyway there we we do in our hippocampus, which makes the most sense because hippocampus it really you can think of it doing a lot of things, but it's it's sort of central station for memory mm-hmm okay and so when we're learning something new it goes through the hippocampus we have to activate that as a way station to the rest of the brain but it also is a center point for stress and anxiety Oh, so making new brain cells there make a lot of sense Mm -hmm. and the people at princeton uh, have done work showing in the past five years that the kind of new brain cells we make in hippocampus uh, are over proportionately using do- or GABA. Okay. We make more GABA cells, and GABA is the brain's break. So putting the inhibitory, more inhibition nerve cells around helps us not over respond to a threat from the environment or internally, when we're getting anxious or we're worried about something. So the more GABA we have, it's the more brakes we have to put on. Okay. And so uh, we make more of these brain cells than in this area of the brain to help us improve our memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a big argument, and still there is that when we learn something new, do we always have to make a new brain cell? No, but it's it's sexy. You know and uh, people like that Uh, and so and the reason why it's so important with exercise is that there's nothing that we know of no drug no uh, even what we can do genetically at this point nothing that makes more new brain cells than exercise in the hippocampus and there may be some in the frontal cortex as well but uh, we don't know, they, they haven't seen new brain cells in the cerebellum as of yet, but that's all to be, uh, you know, futuristic. We'll we'll know more.
0: Interesting. So it sounds like, um, in fact, my son is the one who told me this, his, his PhD had to do with uh, research in Parkinson's years ago. He was telling me how the substantia nigra basically outsources to the cerebellum, sort of. Yes, And it just, the cerebellum picks up the slack because it already does a little movement anyway. So, but also because the neuroplasticity uh, level in that area, which it just makes a lot of sense. Very interesting. Um, we know the barefoot training is good. Barefoot, uh, Beth, you, I don't want to take up much of your time. But I, But in Go Wild, so for those who are listening, I'm holding up a book called Go Wild. I remember where I was was when I heard oh we know Casey Stutzman too oh yeah I, I was running a hill sprints at the park a couple miles away and I was like he knows Casey that's yeah. cool but I was also I had listened the same day to benefits of uh, barefoot stimulation which I find to be also very interesting because the way it just can wake up a lot of those dormant nerve endings in the plantar fascia and or plantar skin and then boom send a message yeah. to the brain and I'll tell you, that's really helped. Our our workouts are all barefoot. That's how oh, good, yeah, good. All, yeah, always. Unless they have some kind of an open sore or something, you know, we get them barefoot. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask, and you're welcome to talk for as long as you want. I have no schedule today. But you mentioned three things last time. Optimal weight, continue learning, and exercise as like the trifecta for living, probably a improved quality of life. Um, right,
1: right, yeah. That that's from a study that 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 started the whole. When I talk about the uh, spark, the revolutionary new science of exercise in the brain, that tipped it off. There was a big study, a MacArthur study, in about looking at 12,000 people in a bunch of different countries over a period of six or seven years, looking at what were the uh, habits that helped prevent the onset of cognitive decline and Alzheimer's disease. This is in the end of the 80s. And there were three that you mentioned, optimal weight, continuous learning, and exercise. And then uh, one of the we knew about the first two, okay? That had been, we knew that this was important for preventing cognitive decline. I mean, you know, continuous learning. There were all these studies that showed that, you know, if you continue to learn throughout life, you're gonna have, basically have more nerve cells to lose.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: uh, you know, you're gonna prevent uh, that if you learn continuously in optimal weight, uh, the ravages of diabetes type 2 and and just having too much fat tissue on board, you know, it, it increases your uh, chronic inflammation and reduces your inflammatory ability. Uh, your immune response is not as great. And that has come into focus even more now with uh, COVID. Sure. Um, Michael you know, and people who are on the ICU tend to be overweight or obese. And that can be a ticket to the ventilators, which can be a ticket to uh, death. And yeah. uh, so it's even more important these days to be near your playing weight or optimal weight. However, they, what we didn't know about was exercise. So one of the originators of this whole field, Carl Cotman at the University of California, Irvine, went back and said, I'm going to find out why exercise is so important. And he started working with mice and running wheels, et cetera, and found out that if they <clears throat> got them to run and they loved to run, um, when they learned, uh, they, uh, were about 40 percent smarter after seven to ten days looked at their looked at their brains they they were much more connected in the cortex Mm -hmm. their brains were heavier than the controls um, and they looked at the bdnf and that was two to three times what it was at the beginning so this led to this revolution everybody wanted to know about exercise because oh my god not only diet but also and and learning but also exercise physical exercise could have a powerful effect on the brain and that chipped the balance and then then it led to uh all the stuff that i have in spark
0: well you know it's really interesting um you mentioned uh, i think i believe it's in this book because in the book i'm writing i pulled right from this and used to put a citation in. had to do with um I forget how many 40 Japanese businessmen walking in the woods yep and what w- was it their immune systems were boosted after an hour or or but there was something with 30 days later too something was boosted and I don't remember if it was immune system or IQ or both
1: well I think not IQ but their their ability to learn perhaps was was okay. continued to be better but yeah their their the, the chronic inflammatory uh cytokines were less you know oh. when you and and it's, which is a measure of your immune response so your immune system was better uh, after, That's after
0: just one walk
1: well it, it's usually i think they were probably there for a day you know Oh, okay but,
0: yeah. yeah yeah but there was but a carryover it, effect that lasted quite a while oh yeah. oh yeah oh yeah yeah okay yeah
1: you know i'm gonna have to cut off my friend yes
0: absolutely absolutely listen um I want to thank you very, very much um, for joining me again. Uh, It's been a real pleasure, Dr. Rady. I appreciate this, and uh, thank you, everyone, who is watching and listening. I hope you have a great day. And if, if you don't mind for 30 seconds, if you could hang on with me, I'll end the recording. But thank you, everybody, for watching and listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. I learned a lot. Again, have a great one.